Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high achieving and ambitious mid level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. Happy New Year, guys. How's it going? How how is um how's January treating you? Are you looking for a job? Are you in the job market? Are you one of the millions that are out of work right now? If you are, then I think today's guest is going to be really helpful for you. And I'm going to let him introduce himself in just a minute. And he reached out to me. Oh gosh, I don't know. When did you reach out to me? <laughs> oh, maybe Thanksgiving time. Thanksgiving time and we had a great conversation and really felt like kindred spirits and he's doing some really cool things to help the unemployed and um, I want to let him share that with you but Adriel would you introduce yourself please? Yeah sure hello everybody Uh, my name is Adriel I'm the CEO and founder of Riveter my quick story is that uh, I was I had this idea that the unemployed need to be helped out more my last job was in self-driving cars so Listen, if self-driving cars come, that means millions of drivers out of a job. Challenging, challenging time. So late in 2019, started thinking about how can we help out the unemployed, was working on this idea in early 2020, uh, planned to launch a website on April 1st. COVID slowly was ramping up from rumors to reality. And on April 1st, I myself was laid off from the self-driving car job. So self-driving cars did have a casualty. Turns out it was me. <laughs> um, and so I've been working on Riveter ever since full time. Isn't that interesting how you had this idea to help people and, and could kind of see the, you know, the handwriting on the wall and it turns out that that handwriting included your name. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, I guess you could paraphrase Thomas Edison with the misattributed probably quote of success is when fate and hard work and fate and preparation come together. Yes. was already working on something, you know, I think and this is my one of the recommendations to, to any job seeker, you've always got to have something in the pipeline, always got to be working hard on something because when your preparation interchanges with fate and look, we've been working on this for a few months and all of a sudden COVID hit and we got to get a running start on it. Um, it it's 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 worked out a little bit. Yeah, I think your point is well taken. And one of the things I'm, I constantly am talking to clients about is not being caught flat-footed. So you can love your job today. You can think it's the greatest job. But if you aren't keeping your network active, and, and I actually call it ARFO, always ready for opportunity. And, and I've gone over those kind of steps on the podcast before, but those things that you can do a little bit at a time so that you're open to possibilities when they kind of come along and you aren't just, oh, I'm going to love this job. I'm going to stay in this job forever. And I don't need to talk to that recruiter. I don't need to explore that option. I think you should always explore those options and always have your resume updated and your LinkedIn profile current and just be willing to do the things, right? Yeah. I mean, somebody gave me this great metaphor the other day, which is being in a job that you love and not thinking about the rest of your career is like only ever doing sit-ups. <laughs> and never doing any bicep curls 
uh, squats or focusing on your mental health at all. Like, sure, right now you're a swimsuit model and all you need is a six pack, but eventually you're going to have to pick something up. Eventually you're going to need the other muscles and you can't let them atrophy. And it's the same thing here. Look, I loved my job at the self-driving car company. It was a dream. Are you kidding me? Selling self-driving cars? What could be cooler than that? It was amazing. But that said, for the three years that I was there, I was running outside networking events. I had my own podcast. I was always thinking new new ideas. Not because I was getting ready to leave, but just because building up those other muscles, always finding your, uh, a way to do new interesting things, build your creative muscles, will let you be ready. And look, nobody could have seen COVID coming. And certainly, uh, it hasn't been easy to start a business in this environment in any capacity. But being able to keep the rest of your muscles sharp, even if all you need right now to make money and have your job is this one specific skill, all you got to do is sit-ups, you're going to need your other muscles eventually. And they're going to make you better both in this job and in the rest of your career. I love that. So today we're talking about how to do unemployment better than you think you can, which I think is, as I said a moment ago, such a timely topic uh, right now. So let's start with the kind of non-work aspects, the personal aspects of unemployment, like, I don't know, wellness and relationships. What do we need to know about them in terms of how to do them better in unemployment? So when someone loses their job, the process usually goes like this. You lose your job, you go home, you complain for about 24 to 48 hours because it's unfair, it's, it's not right. How could this happen to me? They treated me wrong. All this stuff. Sometimes they're fair complaints, but fair or not, they almost never matter. But listen, you got to get it off your chest and it's, it's express yourself however you need. Then about 24 hours later, you say, that's it. I'm not going to be affected by this. I can do this. And you apply to every single job on the internet. Anywhere that you could click apply, you apply. And then a week later, you apply to 700 jobs and you haven't heard back from anybody. And then two weeks after that, you're like, oh my God, this job search thing is terrible. I'm a failure. What am I doing? I'm spending 80 hours a week applying to jobs, but I don't know what to do. Maybe later you find networking and you're like, oh, I'm going to be the best networker ever. So all you ever do is, is you're on lunch club and quad meets and LinkedIn, cold outreaching, setting up calls, 15 minute calls. You do you know, 80 hours a week of of networking calls, but you still don't have any interviews. And you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? So all that to say, when unemployment starts, you've got to take a breath. And I think the hardest, but most important conversation you can have with yourself is realizing that in the best economy ever, 2019, the average unemployment rate was over, the average duration of unemployment was over four months. That means in 2020 or 2021 in tough economies, that average rate is gonna go to six or seven months. And this is nothing against you. This is nothing against everything you're gonna bring to the next company you're gonna go for. This is nothing against your abilities or your talents or your hustle or that you're gonna outwork everybody in the job search. It's nothing against that. But once you come to terms with the fact that this is going to be a multi-month process, you begin to realize that this is not just a gap in your resume you got to make sure it's not a gap in your life. Mm. And that means spending the time on thinking, how am I going to take care of myself? What am I going to do for my fitness, for my mental well-being? And most importantly, how are you going to come out of unemployment, which is going to be tough? How are you going to come out of it a better person than you would have been otherwise? Because all of a sudden, you've basically just started the biz- a business the business of Lisa Edwards, the job seeker, the business of Adriel, the unemployed person. And you've got to make sure your business is successful, which means 
you've got to take care of your health. You've got to take care of your mental wellness. You've got to think about what matters to me in my life. Is it learning a new skill? Is it going back to creative work like art or writing? Is it making sure I'm in great shape? Is it, you know, bonding with my uh, cousin who I haven't seen in too long? What matters to you besides just the job search? Because for the first time in many years and possibly for the last time in many years, you have an opportunity to think about that and really put the time and effort into making that a reality. And it's tough because all you want to do is job search. Your only metric for success is did I find a job today or not? And if that's your only metric for success, is it a yes or no? And did I find a job today? What are you going to be a failure for the four Mm -hmm. to six months it's going to take you to find a job? Absolutely not. You've got to create those other metrics for success. And that means thinking about wellness, about friendships, about relationships, about creative projects and things like that. I love that, Adriel. And, and one of the podcasts I did, I don't know, since COVID happened sometime maybe late last year, was about questions that you might be asked uh, during this, this time in an interview, specifically related to how did you spend your time? What was the process like? How have you you know, recuperated from the loss of your job and those kinds of things? And I think even if they don't ask you those questions, I think it's so useful to ask yourself and answer those questions for yourself. And I think it's one of those kind of future self things like, you know, let's assume we're not going to get a job tomorrow. So let's, let's assume there may be four to six more months of this of this unemployment thing in our lives. What do we want to be able to say if we're interviewing with a company in June or July? What do we want to be able to say about how we use this time, what we learned about ourselves, what we learned about our career path, any of that kind of thing? Yeah, Lisa, are you are you one of those coaches who tells your clients to like practice for interviews, you know, at least once a week to do a couple hours? Do you, do you tell them that or not as much? I don't tell them to, to practice every week, but we it just depends on the situation. You know, they're going to do some coaching with me, and then I'm going to give them some some specific tasks to do to get better at it. Um, but it's certainly not a bad idea to practice a few hours a week. Well, the reason I ask is because I think you know exactly what you just said. One of the things about practicing for interview questions is that it's not just about how are you going to answer this in the interview, right? What happens when a hiring manager asks you what your biggest strengths are. If you practice your answer to what are your biggest strengths weeks or months before you actually are faced with it in an interview, you're going to learn something about yourself and you're going to learn how you like to tell your story and what matters to you. And that's one of the cool things about practicing interview questions. It's one of the, you know, you said, how are you gonna answer the question of, hey, how have you been spending your time unemployed? It really, certainly the goal is to get a job and practicing interview questions is gonna help you be successful at it. But also practicing interview questions is gonna help you learn more about yourself and it's gonna help you structure your time better. So if you are asked, the, if you're practicing interview questions and you're asked the question, how have you spent your time during unemployment? I know you lost your job due to COVID. How have you spent the last six months? thinking about what your answer to that has been for whatever time has been and what you want your answer to that to be when you're actually asked that will help you define your priorities. And there's a lot of great answers to that. You know, there's, you know what, during unemployment, I actually lost 30 pounds and I prioritized my wellness by doing this, Mm -hmm. that, and the other thing. And I had an accountability body and I set these goals. That's an amazing thing. I, during unemployment, I learned to play the banjo. 
And every morning for an hour, I'd practice it and I took courses and I got better and it made me more creative and it was really valuable. However you want, whatever skill set you want to get across, whatever values you want to make sure your employer knows you have, whatever you care about the most, you know, practicing your answer to that is going to help you make sure you're holding yourself accountable to actually being that person, actually doing those things. I love that. And I hope what you guys that are listening are hearing is that just because maybe you haven't achieved a lot since maybe you were furloughed back in March uh, or lost your job in April or May, and you haven't got a lot to show for the time since then yet, that doesn't mean that you can't start bright and fresh tomorrow morning with a new goal. So give yourself 24 to 48 hours to figure out what is it I want this next period of my life. And let's just say until I get until the first day of my new job. What do I want this period of my life to be about? What accomplishment do I want to be very proud of? If there are if there are things that come up for you, so you think there's, I'd like to learn a language. I'll, this is a good one for me, actually, because I've been at a bit of a, of a quandary because I want to learn Italian. I want to go back to Italy. And CDs are the way that I've learned the languages that I've learned in the past. And I don't have a CD player anymore. They don't make, put them in the cars anymore. I don't have one on my computer. So I've been kind of contemplating. I think it's going to have to be this... Um, Rosetta Stone situation. But so if that's the problem, if you're like, okay, I don't have a CD player or I don't have, I don't know how to do something. I don't know where to get this, whatever the, the, the issue, the challenge that comes up for you in achieving that goal, figure out what the solution is. Cause there's a solution for everything. The other thing that I want to make sure you guys heard is the length of time that these job searches are taking. What I'm seeing in my practice is a lot of people, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, you're making up a very unfavorable story as to why you haven't got a job yet. A, a, a story that doesn't serve you at all. A story about you not being enough. A story about there not being any jobs out there. And none of that is useful for you to think. And so just understand that this is what everybody's going through. This is the process and nothing has gone wrong just because it's taking you perhaps the better part of a year to find a job. You know, you got to make expectations meet reality, yes. right? If you're a salesperson and you go into a company and you tell your manager or the CEO, hey, I'm going to close deals. I'm going to close a new deal every week. <laughs> and, then, and, and then you realize, you know what, you're selling uh, I don't know. You're selling self-driving cars. I promise you, you're not selling a self-driving car every week. And it's going to take you six months or a year or 18 months, just building the leads and educating your clients until you close that deal. You're going to be probably fired because you set the wrong expectations, but you're going to be disappointed in yourself unnecessarily. But if you say, Hey, I know that it takes on average six months to close a deal like this, then you know what you need to do in that six months. Cause if it takes you a week to close a deal, you better be lining up contracts within day one. But if it takes six months to close a deal, you're approaching it in a different way. You're cultivating relationships. You're, you're educating the clientele. You're approaching this as a more relationship kind of sale so that you can work on it in that six-month period. And it's the same thing with the job search. If you get let go today and you say, I'm going to get a job by Friday, hmm. then what are you going to do? You're going to immediately apply. You're going to need an interview tomorrow. You're going to need the second round the day after that. And you're going to need to sign the contract the next day. And you're going to be disappointed when you don't. But if you say, on average, it's going to take me five months, then you get to create a plan, a structure, just like a salesperson who would, who knows that a sales cycle, sales cycle takes five months, you're going to create a job search plan that'll allow you to succeed on that realistic time frame. 
And you're going to A, actually hit those goals or be a lot more likely to because mm-hmm. your approach is different. It's a lot more relationship-based. You're spending the time on informational interviews, you know, all those things that you've heard Lisa talk about before. And you're going to, and this is so important, you're going to maintain the confidence and the I can do this attitude that you're not gonna, that you're gonna lose pretty quickly if your expectations are not aligned with reality. There's so many people who've been at this for so many months because it was such a hard year and the job market was hard. And look, you've got to face the reality. It's not gonna snap your fingers, go away tomorrow, right? And there's so many people who lost confidence and are upset about it and frustrated. And then they finally get an interview and all their hopes are on that interview. And this has to be the one. And then it's not the one. And then they're crushed. And then they give up on the whole thing. And then, if you don't have this long-term mindset, you're going to get crushed and you just cannot allow yourself to get crushed. And I think the way you do that is you make sure your expectations are aligned with reality and it's hard and it can be frustrating. And you might think I'm the best, whatever I am in the world, I keep jobs are going to come looking after me and look more power to you. I absolutely know people who have managed to get higher quickly. That's why it's an average but you got to understand the circumstances and you can't crush yourself mentally before you even give yourself a chance. Not to mention how creepy you come across in the end, <laughs> right? This like, is true. Graspy, needy, creepy, stalkery, uh, all that. Okay. So we've, we've talked about kind of these, these personal issues and sort of worked around the unemployment issue, but what's the most important thing that all the unemployed people out there listening need to know or do in terms of their job search? The most important thing is focus. And I'm going to tell two quick stories and then I'm going to come back to that. When I, three and a half years ago, I was working for a company that went under and I found myself unemployed for six months, six months above the average in a great economy. (laughs) And I started off like many people start off frantically applied to a million jobs. Didn't really hear back. Got a couple of interviews. They weren't the right ones. I wasn't excited. They weren't excited. Didn't work out. That I can be paused for two months. And I just spent that time learning. Didn't apply for a single job for over two months and just went to conferences, webinars, met people, read books, hosted a podcast, interviewed people, found people at companies that I like, talked to them, learn, 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 learn. Throughout that two months, did a ton of journaling, a lot of self-reflection. And then after that, I created a crazy specific probably more specific even than I would recommend to most, but crazy specific job title for myself. And here's what I wanted to do, Lisa. I decided that my next job was going to be at a startup. It was a startup of fewer than 20 people that's raised more than $2 million that was in the transportation industry. And it had to be in New York City, unless it was self-driving cars, then I would go to San Francisco. And it was a sales role that I was looking for. Now, do you know how many (laughs) jobs there are at transportation companies of less than 20 people and more than $2 million raised in New York City or San Francisco? Not that many. But by being focused, I was able to make a list of those companies, make my networking crazy focused, know exactly what I wanted, exactly what my story was, exactly what I needed to practice, exactly the kind of blog posts I wanted to publish on LinkedIn, thought leadership I wanted to have. And I got that next job in four weeks. And it was an absolute dream job, way above my salary. Everything worked out like a dream. I was able to get super, super focused there. And that's why focus matters. I love that. And I hope that you guys are hearing that and maybe thinking about your own job search, because what I see happening with clients is 
when the market is tough and when the job search kind of lingers on, they clients often kind of want to not have all their eggs in one basket. They want to keep their options open. And what I kind of help them to understand, hopefully, is that employers don't want to hear that. Employers don't want to hear, oh, I'll do anything for you. Just let me in the front door. They want you to be very clear. I mean, would you buy expensive Nike shoes if you weren't clear whether they went on your feet or your head, right? You would, you'd be like, yeah, these are, there's that swoosh is interesting. And I don't know, I like the laces, but I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with it. So I don't see the relevance of this thing and this, this thing with the swoosh on it. I don't, don't know what I would do with it. Don't think I'm going to buy it. And I think that that's what people are missing oftentimes is that specificity is really music to an employer's ears because either then they know that they need you or they don't. And if they don't need you, that's good because the alternative is that middle like, meh, maybe we can fit them in somewhere, maybe not, which usually means you get cut a, cut on the in the last round or something. But also you don't get paid the good bucks if you're the kind of vanilla in the middle, we don't know what to do with you candidate. And it's hard, right? There's this another misattributed quote, but Abe Lincoln was asked, if you had four hours to chop down a tree, how would you do it? And he said, well, I'd spend the first three hours sharpening my ax. <laughs> and that just tells me, look, it is hard to sit there for three hours and sharpen an ax when you want it, when everyone around you is chopping, right? It is hard to, especially if you're a type A, like career driven, everything worked out for you, you haven't been unemployed in years, it is hard to sit back and be reflective and, and limit your options. But it's super important. Lisa, I often make comparisons of I say a lot unemployment is like sales. And unemployment mm -hmm. is like entrepreneurship. Yes, because in those environments, you're basically your own manager, nothing happens unless you make it happen. And networking is everything. Right. And in sales, especially startup sales, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial sales, everybody, every CEO thinks that their product is the product for the mass market. We're going to build this and we're going to sell it to absolutely everybody. Every single person in the world is going to need this. And those products are all colossal failures <laughs> because you haven't actually defined who you're going to solve problems for, what problems you're going to solve and why your product and your company is the very best one. At the self-driving car company I was working at, we were, you know, self-driving cars. We were full of ourselves. Who's going to buy our self-driving car? Literally every single company in the world is going to buy our self-driving delivery car. They're going to pay us like a trillion dollars. And by next week, we're going to be, <laughs> uh, you know, the largest company in the history of the world. Now, that's how we started. And <laughs> can't totally blame us because that's how everybody with ambition starts. Just like that's how every ambitious job seeker starts. But the, when we started finally having success, is when we got more and more narrow. And this is how narrow we got with who we want our ideal customer to be for this self-driving delivery car company. We said, I am looking for auto parts distributors outside of the top four, but within the top 15 that are in the markets of California, Arizona, and Texas with at least 100 retail locations. Do you know how many of those there are? <laughs> Not so many. But once we figured that out, we got to make sure that our product fits their needs. We got to start writing blog posts specifically about what their industry needs to think about as it relates to self-driving cars, to delivery, to operations. And we closed almost every single one of those clients within a little over a year. And I take that story to job seekers because it's the same thing. 
I know you're the best marketer in the history of marketers. I know nobody has ever designed better UX than you have designed. I know that to be true. But if you take some time and think about who do you want to be working for? Why do you want to be working for them? And what are you going to bring to the table at this very narrow list of organizations? You're going to have a much better chance. And look, maybe you're wrong, right? Maybe you say, oh, I love healthcare. And within healthcare, I want a company of between 200 and 500 people that's working specifically on uh, you know, microbiomes. Great. Love the specificity. You've got a lot to add there. But maybe you find those companies aren't looking for designers. Or maybe you find, eh, I don't actually like the microbiome. Still, you're going to learn that faster. You're going to be able to pivot faster. You're going to be able to know what you want faster than you would in any other way. I, I love everything you're saying. We are on the same page 100%. And, and certainly you don't have to stop your job search for two months um, to get that focus if that's not financially feasible for you. But hopefully you've picked up on this process and some of the strategies that you can use to get that focus. And if you have to do it you know, in warp speed, then do it in warp speed, um, but just get that focus. That's right. Like I'm, everyone's in a different position. Some people are single parents of four kids and they got to put bread on the table. So it's, it's different for everybody, but the rule still applies no matter what, whether you got two months to give to go listen and learn, or whether you got two days to really have yourself a hardworking session and, and reflect, that reflection is going to double the speed of your success. Absolutely. As we'll working with a career coach like, like myself. So we've, we've talked about networking some here. And, and one of the things that I'm hearing from a lot of clients and prospective clients is they have decided in their brain that networking is not possible during a pandemic. And that just makes me kind of laugh because I think it's easier in many ways than it has ever been. Tell me about your, your company Riveter how are you helping people with networking and, and by extension, what advice can you give people about networking right now? Sure. So uh, the way Riveter, actually, let me answer the second one first. So networking is easier right now than it ever has been, but that also makes it harder. You're basically set like networking right now is like sending uh, you know, an, an obese man into an ice cream shop with unlimited flavors and no cost. You can meet anybody you want. You can have anything you want, but you don't know where to start. And that's because it is so easy now to get somebody on the phone for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, send them a LinkedIn message, ask for a connection, follow them on Twitter and respond to a bunch of things and then connect with them and say, hey, I want to meet with you. It is so, join lunch club, join webinars, join everything you want. It is so easy to meet so many people that again, this broad choice is actually a form of shackles. So my advice to anyone around networking is yes, Nothing new. Networking is the way you're going to get your next job. 100% anybody's going to tell you the same thing. However, I think you need to understand who you're trying to network with and what you're trying to get to. There's certainly networking for the sake of networking. And a lot of people do this and there's value to it. You know, joining platforms like Lunch Club or, or just randomly reaching out to pretty much everyone for a 15 minute meeting is great. You'll meet new people. You'll learn about new things. You'll have nice conversations. There's a place for that. But if your goal is to get a job, that means that your goal is to get interviews. And that means you want to be networking with people who might get you closer to interviews. You want to be networking with people who are within the companies you want to work for, within the roles you're interested in, who have the connections or the authority to grant you those interviews. So 
I'd say for networking, look, networking is the way you're going to get a job, but take that time and say, what am I trying to get out of this specifically? What kind of conversations do I need to be having? And meeting strangers is amazing. It's fun. It's inspirational. It's, it's, you know, certainly true. Who knows where your next job will come from? Meet as many people as possible. But unless you come in with specific goals, it's going to be tough. Now for Riveter specifically, Riveter, like I mentioned, we're building the world's largest community for the unemployed. And as a part of that, we do a lot of events. And the Riveter community is exceptional in their generosity, their desire to network, and their desire to meet each other. And what's really special about our events, which you can find at riveterworks.com events, we do at least three events a week. What's really cool about these is that all of our events have networking baked into them. You go to a lot of webinars out there, and it's some dude or lady talking to you for an hour, and you're sitting there taking notes while you eat pizza and get it all over your shirt. At Riveter events, we actually call them webinar working. Webinar working, because for the first 30 minutes, you're going to have an amazing speaker come. I'll be asking questions. They'll be speaking. And all the participants are going to be chiming in with questions as well. Then for the second half, you actually divide up into groups. You're assigned a specific task based on that day's uh, networking or based on that day's webinar topic. And then everyone networks with each other, meets each other, and talks about this specific task. So the, the small group breakout networking allows you to do two things. The first is it helps you understand, it helps you get ideas from a lot of different people, right? For example, yesterday we had an event that was talking about the future of job search in 2021. I asked everybody to think about what is the one tool trip, uh, tool or trick or community or, or thing that they're taking from 2020 into 2021. Broke everybody up into groups of eight. And all of a sudden you got seven new ideas about tools and tricks and things you can take forward. So the first thing it helps you to do is get some really actionable advice from a small group of people. But the second is you quickly identify who is the kind of person that you really wanna dive into and really wanna spend the extra 30 minutes with. Who's the person from your industry? Who's the person who has a skill set you admire? Who's the person who has a background you admire? Who's the person you can help? If somebody says, hey, I'm looking for design roles at these kinds of companies, and you've previously worked in a design role at that kind of company, then you can reach out to them and help them immediately. So uh, the Riveter community exists both at our events and on our site and, um, and within the LinkedIn community. So you'll find Riveter in a whole lot of places. So I uh, would love to invite anybody to join. It's free. Just go to RiveterWorks.com and you'll find that there. And we'll have that in the show notes as well, um, you guys. And so... Uh, I, I want to echo everything that, that has been said about networking and the importance of it. Certainly, I have preached that <laughs> exhaustively here on the podcast. That is the way. And the clients that I have that are getting jobs right now, and yes, they are getting jobs, it is all through networking. It, I, am, I can't think. In fact, I was telling a client yesterday, I could not think off the top of my head of a single client in the last year or so who has gotten a job solely from a job board, you know, no extra steps, just applying online, no networking, nothing. I, it's just not happening. There's too much competition. They're looking for people in their network, people that they know, or people that the people they know know that can say, hey, here's a great candidate. You're a known quantity. You're not just coming in out of the blue. They don't know you. They can't kind of verify that you're great because they don't know the people that you know, you want to have that network going on. So please, please, please hear that, guys. So what else do listeners need to know to do employment better than they're doing it now? Sure. So one of the things, 
you know, we talked a little bit about this. And I want to talk a little bit more about interviewing. I think practicing for interviews is an amazing way to do some soul searching and to think about this focus that, that we talked a lot about. If you are practicing and, you know, some people have flashcards, some people just pull a question out of a hat. I'll tell you in a moment about the, the tool Riveter has for interview practice, a free tool to, to practice your questions, practice your answers to interview questions and get feedback. However you're practicing, if you're doing this, you're basically doing soul searching at the same time. Because when you ask yourself, what are your biggest strengths? And you list them out. You say, well, I'm a great communicator, a great leader of people. And here's some examples. You say, you know what? Maybe I want to focus more on leading people and not on the you know, hardcore engineering that I've been doing my whole career. Maybe it's that communication leading people that I care about that helps you narrow it down. When you practice the answer to the question of why do you want this job? And you practice that pretending to answer for, you know, a list of companies that you've narrowed yourself down to. And really, you know, you've done a little bit of that focus. You say, Hey, here's 20 companies I want to work for. And you practice answering, why do I want this job? And why do you want to work at this company for those 20 questions? You do that soul searching. And you see which one of those are really the most genuine. And you say, hey, you know, there's a job at Nike and then there's a job at General Electric. And you answer for Nike and you light up and say, I want to work for Nike because athletics has meant the most to me. The marketing department is world cutting edge and it's been an inspirational brand since my childhood. You say, wow, that felt really good. And then you practice, why do you want to work here for General Electric? You're like, well, you know, it's got a lot of cool products. And I think it's, uh, I like the light bulbs in my house. And uh, <laughs> I think if you've done a lot better and you, that's like, yeah, I guess that's all true. But <laughs> yeah, you did a little search engine there. It sounds like Nike feels like a company you can really passionately go after. And once you've done that, once you said, you know what? Nike felt a lot better than General Electric did. Nothing against General Electric, sure. But Nike felt a lot better. Then I might say, all right. Nike feels good. Why did it feel good? Because you talked about the passion of health and athletics and reaching your biggest potential. Well, who else helps you do that? Maybe there's companies like Allbirds or Adidas or other fitness brands. Maybe Peloton is a place you want to go or Mirror or Aptiv or any of these fitness companies that really help you elevate. And then all of a sudden, any company you apply to, you're able to speak passionately about why you want to work there, what you'll accomplish for them, what you'll be able to do. And so I think when you talk about doing unemployment better, spending the time on practicing interview questions is going to help you find that focus, find that passion, light a fire under yourself, and really uh, network better, search better, apply better, speak better, write better, and, and focus better on your job search. Fantastic. Absolutely great information, everybody. And, and so relevant right now, because as I have said about 1 million times, if all you're doing is looking at job boards, you're not really doing a job search because that's what people who are employed, people who are, don't need a job. <laughs> they're too old. They don't need to work they're, They've retired, whatever. They'll still take a glance at those job boards and they might apply every once in a while. And so you've got this just huge competition, but when you can separate yourself from the job boards and have conversations with decision makers at the companies that you really want to work for and give that compelling story as to why they need you, why you're the perfect person for the job, you're not competing with 350 other candidates that applied for the same job because it's not posted anywhere, nor are you competing against a list of job duties that someone has posted somewhere. You're not being measured 
measured up against that. You're being measured as, is this the right person to get on the bus? As Jim Collins says in Good to Great, the great companies look at you as someone that is the right fit culturally, skill-wise, all of that for their company. And then they find the place for you that makes the most sense. So how can listeners get a hold of you? So I am pretty much all over the internet, Twitter, <laughs> LinkedIn, uh, at a Lubarsky two a l u b a r s k y two. Uh, you can also email me as Adriel at riveterworks.com. You can find Riveter Works at Riveter Works on Twitter, Riveter Works on Facebook, Riveter Works on LinkedIn, and riveterworks.com. Uh, and you can find that everywhere there as well. And if you want to sign up for Riveter, again, it's totally free. Um, you can actually go to riveterworks.com/lisa l e s a riveterworks.com/lisa. Um, that's a special invite code. You'll see it says Lisa Edwards invites you to join Riveter. Uh, and that way we know you came from Lisa. And we'll give you some extra special things that you'll have to sign up to find out about once you, once you join through that code. Well, guys, that sounds like a fantastic deal to take advantage of. So Adriel, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast and uh, you guys reach out, get involved with Riveter. I think this is amazing. Um, and I don't think you did mention we were going to talk about your your new interviewing tool that's coming out on the 18th of January. So it's going to be out by the time this airs. Uh, you want to tell them a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right. So it's going to be absolutely awesome. You know how most people are interviewing and you might've seen this and you might have friends who have done this. You write down a few flashcards. You think of some questions, you quiz yourself, you ask them, maybe that's your style. Maybe your style is you bother your spouse before you interview and say, hey, I need you to sit down with me. What do you think? Or maybe you call a friend and they kind of give you feedback, but their mind's elsewhere. Maybe you got a career coach and that's amazing, but you only get an hour with them and you can't go further. Well, Riveter's new feedback tool, which yes, will be out by the time uh, this airs, is going to allow you to practice interviews with tough questions, with a huge bank of questions tailored towards your industry. You're going to be able to you know, keep them private if you want, right? Maybe you're not ready to share. Maybe you're just practicing on your own and you want something more realistic, like the real thing than just a flashcard. But if you choose to make them public, the Riveter community of community of coaches, other job seekers will be able to come in there and give you actionable feedback. You'll be able to actually hear what coaches like Lisa, what other people in your industry Think about your answer. They'll tell you, hey, loved how you did this part, but I think you got to tell more of the story. Or, hey, sounds like you need a little bit more uh, intonation here. Be more excited, whatever it is. You'll be able to see all that. Try again. It's going to be this incredible place where you'll be able to interact. Again, we talked a lot about community, a lot about networking. Interact with other people in your position. Get feedback. You'll be able to browse how hundreds of other people at your level of experience, how hundreds of other people in your industry have answered similar questions, get inspiration, pull different things. You know, Picasso said, good artists create, great artists steal. <laughs> You'll be able to take a little bit of inspiration from a lot of different people and make sure that your answers when you're ready to put them out there are incredible. So um, anytime you join, you'll be able to see this. It's going to be this huge library of interview answers. I'm incredibly excited about it. It's going to be absolutely amazing. That is fantastic. And is that also free as a member of Riveter? 100%. Oh. Everything on Riveter is free for job seekers. You guys take advantage of this. So I, uh, I will have all of this information in the show notes as well. So hook up with Riveter, hook up with Adriel, and uh, I'll see you guys next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. 
It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.